Hey, welcome back. This is Pastor Jack Pigeon, West Houston Christian Center. This is Living with Purpose, and we're continuing our study on um, thinking on purpose, and uh, really just kind of want to pick up where we were last week. Um, you know, Pastor Mike and I were in here, and we really talked a lot about Peter. And, uh, you know, Peter, what an amazing man. And I know Peter catches a lot of flack. Uh, some call him the yo-yo disciple. He was up, down, up, down. Peter was passionate. And uh, whatever he did, he did passionately. He, he either was not going to do something passionately or he was going to do something passionately. There was no middle ground for him. And uh, as we were discussing last week, you know, Peter really loved Jesus. And I don't think there's anything you, you can't. You can prove that by Scripture. Peter walked with Jesus. He talked with him. He spent time with him. He saw all of his miracles. He was there when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. Uh, he saw Jesus heal people. He saw Jesus' compassion. I mean, he really had a very well-balanced, you would say, relationship with Jesus, or so he thought. And so you get to the end, and Jesus tells Peter, Peter, before... The cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter tells Jesus, there's just no way. There's just no way that would ever happen. And he just swears up and down. Well, sure enough, he denies him three times. And the third time, it says in one of the accounts, Jesus was in the room. And uh, Jesus just kind of turns and looks at him. And Peter, he runs out of the room. And the Bible says that he was weeping bitterly. He was very, very upset, and all, all of us would be. You know, Peter had faith for what he thought that situation was going to be like, but he really didn't have a true understanding of the weight of the gravity of what was really taking place. And so here's Peter with this guilt and with this shame, and uh, you know, now he's having to move forward. Well, what's Peter do? Peter as unfortunately we all do when we get stuck, is we go back to the last thing that we did before. And so Peter says, I'm going back fishing. And so Peter's fishing, and then we have this lovely account of Jesus after he'd been resurrected on the shore. He's cooking breakfast. The disciples see him. They're like, I think I know who that is. I want to know who that is. And sure enough, when they recognize it as Jesus, Peter peels off of his clothes, he jumps into the water and swims in, and he has this wonderful reconciliation with Jesus, and Jesus basically forgives him, they have restoration, and then Peter, I want you to notice, Peter never goes back to fishing again. Peter, because he got freed from that guilt and shame, is now able to move forward, and he goes and fulfills what was and is a powerful ministry in the Bible. You know, a lot of times when we're dealing with a sin consciousness or we're dealing with guilt and shame, what that's trying to do is hold us in place. It's almost like an emotional jail that we put ourselves into. And it's only through revelation of the word and through forgiveness that we can really, really get free so that we can move on and fulfill everything God has called for us to be. And so I want us to look today at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. And it says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
it is very, very, very hard for us to try and draw near to somebody. Um, that could be your spouse, that could be your kids, it could be your boss, it could be a friend, it could be a brother, a sister, whatever, if we don't really know where we stand with that person. You know, sometimes when we have conflict resolution with somebody, we want to go and we want to fix whatever problem there is, and that person, instead of dealing with it, will just pretend like, let's just leave it the way it is, forget that it happened, and just move on. Well, because of that, there's an uneasiness that comes into the relationship because you really just don't know where you stand. I cannot come to that person in full assurance of faith if I don't truly believe that I'm on 100% the right footing with them, if that makes sense. And so that's why it's so important for us, you know, when I have a sin consciousness, when I'm dealing with shame, how am I going to go to this God, this righteous, wonderful, powerful this maker of heaven and earth, this creator of everything that I know, this God of the Bible, if I have guilt and shame in me, I'm not going to be able to go to him fully assured because I don't know where I stand with him. Well, I have good news today. He knows exactly where he stands with us. He loves us as much today as he did yesterday. Um, We are not um, defined um, by some of the mistakes that we make. Um, and he's given this, this, given us this wonderful thing called forgiveness to help us wash away that sin consciousness, that guilt consciousness, and all those things that we sometimes deal with. You know, one of the things that goes along with a, a sin consciousness really is unforgiveness. And it's not always necessarily someone, uh, me not forgiving someone else, but someone else not forgiving us. And sometimes when we, if I, if I've messed up with my, my wife and, you know, I'm trying to go to her, I'm trying to have relationship with her, but if she is holding unforgiveness in her heart towards me, we sense that and we know that, hey, I'm not going to have that full assurance of faith of that relationship because they're harboring that unforgiveness towards me. And sometimes we take that relationship that earthly relationship, and we transfer it to God. How can I really go to God? I've done all these bad things. You know, I was a bad person. I I hurt people. I, I did all of these horrible things. Yes, Lord, I ask you for forgiveness, but I'm not really sure that you forgive me. And because I'm not 100% sure, because here's, here's what happens, is I start judging that relationship by my feelings. I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel like God and I'm connecting and it must be because he really, because I, I did some things and he really can't forgive me. And, and the wonderful great news of the cross is that when Jesus went to that cross for each and every one of us, you know, there were so many things that happened, you know, between his crucifixion and resurrection. But on the way to that crucifixion, he took stripes on his body so that we could be healed of all of our diseases. He took all sin, past, present, and future, put it on his body and put it on that cross. He did it willingly. He took all the penalty of sin. And, I, and this is really for somebody out there today. You need to know this. He took all the penalty for sin and put it on his body, and it was dealt with once and for all. There is no new thing that you can do that hasn't already been paid for up front by Jesus through what he did on the cross. 
as crazy as this world is and as bizarre as the things that people are doing to one another and how cheap life really is to some people, Jesus took all of that sin and put it on his body. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, I can now come to him boldly and humbly ask for forgiveness. Amen. So let's look at Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. And for all you Bible scholars, we all know that that's in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1, forgive me, I'm in a new Bible and my pages are sticking together. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It says, he, and he's talking about Jesus, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And that's just the best news in the world for all of us. You know, I keep hearing in my spirit, and I'm praying forward, and we, we even talked about this in church the other day, just the words, not guilty. You know, you just have to know today that through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross, through the redemption work, through the redemptive work of what everything that Jesus did, you're not guilty. And sometimes the, the emotional jail that we're in, we're put there by ourselves. God does not take us and place us. Aren't you glad that God doesn't judge us according to each sin individually? And there's like a different jail for different types of sins. You know, aren't you glad that what he did on the cross was so over the top, that it was so amazing, that it was so great, that all I have to do is just reach in and ask for forgiveness. And the Bible says right here, I got a scripture for you. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, in whom we have redemption and through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I like Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. It's just a few pages over. Ephesians 1, chapter 7, and it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, without going back and doing a whole bunch of Bible history, if you're reading uh, in the Bible and you're looking at when, G when, when God spoke to Moses and they instituted this thing called the law, there were all kinds of sacrifices. There was offerings and sacrifices and, you know, bulls that were sacrificed, rams, young pigeons, don't like that about the pigeons, doves, all these things. There was just this constant thing of this blood sacrifice. And what God was trying to teach his covenant people was that it takes blood to atone for sins. And so God was constantly putting this pattern in front of them, of Israel, ultimately pointing to what Jesus was going to be on the cross thousands of years later. Now, aren't you glad today that when we sin, we don't go grab our bull and bring it to church every Sunday morning and we have this giant barbecue every Sunday as people bring their offerings? No, no, the blood back then was enough just to atone. It just kind of held that person for till the next year and those sins weren't counted against him. But when Jesus came, we got redeemed. We There is redemption now. 
that I don't have to go, I don't have to get a sacrifice and bring it to him. The sacrifice has already been made. What I have to do is I have to go to Jesus. And this is important. When we talk about forgiveness, unforgiveness, those types of things, there's a certain posture or stature that I need to have. If I need forgiveness, I don't just go to God flippantly, hey, God, you know, hey, you know, did it again. Um, you know, I'll work on it better next time. But, uh, you know, you and I are good. And, uh, you know, there you go. That's really not somebody that's showing a true repentance. You know, when I truly go to God and I ask to be forgiven, there needs to be a, a contriteness in my spirit. There actually needs to be some sort of a, a godly remorse for what I've done. And not just that I'm sorry. Saying I'm sorry just sets you up to do it again. When we just keep saying I'm sorry, all I'm telling you is, is, yep, you got me this time, but I'm going to do this again. I need to actually get into a place of what the Bible calls repentance. Now, believe it or not, repentance is thinking on purpose. Repentance is not me just acknowledging that I did something wrong. Repentance is actually me taking responsibility for what I've done and changing the way that I think about it. If I am truly going to repent and ask for forgiveness, if I go to my wife, if I mess up, and I have hurt her, then I don't just go to her and say, hey, look, you know, you're married to me. You knew this was going to happen. Good days, bad days, you know, deal with it. I provide for you. you. You know, you need to put up with it. You know, when you wake up in the hospital, you'll figure that out. When I go to my wife and I have done this before where I have hurt her, I come to her and I'm like, honey, you know, whether I meant it or not, I take full responsibility for what I've done, and I humbly, I contritely, I ask you to forgive me for what I've done, and I need to change the way, I need to change the way that I think, well, how do I do that? I change my perspective, because all I'm seeing is my perspective. If when I change my perspective, then I start seeing things from her perspective, then I go, yeah, yeah, I messed up there. And so I want to make sure that when I do this thing called when I ask for forgiveness, now this is the best part. When I ask for forgiveness from God and I do it the right way and I actually repent, Bubba, I'm free. I am redeemed from the curse of the law of sin and death. I am free from the penalty of it. And what I don't have to do now is walk around with this thing called sin consciousness. And we're going to talk about that in the next program of how to deal with the actual sin consciousness. You've, for, you've asked God to forgive you. You know, you've done it to the best of your ability. You've repented. You've changed the way that you think about it. But for some reason, that sin is stuck in playback mode in your brain, and it's holding you back. Hey, we've already come to the end of the broadcast today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Reach out to other people. Let them know that this is what we're talking about. This affects everybody. Amen. And Jesus' forgiveness affects everybody. God bless you. Hey guys, we are here to answer a few questions that were submitted and uh, we'd like to uh, encourage you that if you have a question that needs to be answered, please feel free to submit it in the comment section below and we will do our best to get it answered. Amen. Amen. How about it? Question one, how do I become truly repentant for my mistakes, Pastor? That's a great, great question. You know, a lot of people, we were raised to say, <clears throat> you know, if you did something wrong to say, I'm sorry. Mm. And I'm sorry, you know, while it handled a momentary portion of what you've done, it really mm. didn't require any change on my part. Yes. Really, when I say I'm sorry, exactly. I'm just setting myself up to do it again yeah. Yeah, exactly. without any real change. But if you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, 
Sure. It says, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. What that verse is saying to me is, is how do I know if I've really repented? There should have been a change. Yes, correct. You should be a change. There should be a change in the way, you know, the word repent means that I, I have to change the way that I think about something. Yeah. So it involves, there's a process to it. Mm-hmm. Of I have to find out what's that area uh, that I missed it in. You know, sin, mm-hmm. all sin means is missing the mark. And I just find that area where I've missed the mark through repentance. I bring it back. I re-aim what mm-hmm. I'm aiming at. And this time I shoot and I find out what God says about it. And hit the target every time. Every time. Yeah. I think one more thing, too, is when you know you've truly changed, you no longer have a desire for that thing anymore. Yeah. 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 And the beauty, you know, a lot of times we gauge how we feel. Well, I don't feel like this. Well, I don't feel like God forgives me or I don't feel like I've repented. It has nothing to do with our feelings. No. It has everything to do with do I now it's, it's about taking somebody else's perspective. Mm. You know, I put my perspective down. I had a perspective. I could, have, I could have hurt Michelle either on purpose or by accident and could have hurt her very, very badly through th- something I said or did. Mm-hmm. Well, if I don't understand it, I'm like, what's the problem? Just get over it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I truly love her, then I repent. I change my perspective. Then I look at her perspective and I realize, yeah. What I did was wrong. I need to think differently yeah. about what I just did. Never do it again. Never do it again. Yeah. Amen. All right. Question two. If you've had poor or wrong teaching, how do you change that? That's real simple. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be what the Bible calls uh, sober-minded. Uh, I really like <clears throat> the church in Acts chapter 17, verse 11 and this was the Berean church. Okay. And this, what this Berean church did was that every time Paul would preach, they would listen to it with, I mean, they were eager to hear the word, but they also searched in the scriptures daily to find mm. out if what he said was true. And so what I want to do to make sure that I am getting good mm. teaching is that whatever I'm taught, I want to go back to the word for myself. Yeah. And I want to find out... It, it really is smart for all of us as believers to yeah. go back for ourselves, yeah. take the word and and take what we're being taught and put it through the filter of the word to make sure that we're getting what the Bible really says. So true. And uh, I know you've said that many times from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Don't take your word for it. Absolutely. Go to the Bible and read it yourself yeah. and see what revelation you get out of it as right. well. Right, and you'll yeah. get faith from that because yeah. when you go get revelation is a transfer of ownership. So mm-hmm. when I go, it's wonderful to hear an anointed word preached and taught, but when I go into the word for myself, when I take good notes, when I write down the scriptures, mm-hmm. when I go into those scriptures for myself, now I am doubling up on what God is saying. I'm getting that second witness, and now all of a sudden it's producing the power and the change that it's supposed to. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. I tell you what, like I said again, if you guys have any questions that you would like answered, Please, please, please submit them in the uh, comment section below and we'll do our very best to get them answered for you. Amen. Amen. Amen.